I want to greet you the words of Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. But we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. May the Lord bless his word. Our text tonight will come from James, the first chapter. James, the first chapter, verses 2 to 8 and then verse 12. Before we go to the reading of God's word, can we unite in prayer? Heavenly Father of blessings, you say that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Bless my friends who are suffering. Father, guide them along the right paths and comfort them in this dark time. Lead them beside quiet waters and refresh their soul. Lord Jesus Christ, by your own patience and suffering, you endured pain on earth and gave us the example of obedience to your Father. Be near us in our time of weakness and in pain. Sustain us by your grace that our strength and courage may not fail. Heal us according to your will and help us to believe that what happens to us here is of little account in face of eternal glory waiting on us. Our Lord and our God, Amen. James, the heading of that section is the testing of your faith. I believe, correctly so, that the Bible translators did it so. I start with a reading from verse 2 to 8 and then verse 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him but let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, 
he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. My theme is purpose in pain. We can all say, why purpose behind pain? Just to make sure I take you with me, a brief structure of my message for tonight. Introductory thought or two, and then we're going to ask about the questions. The questions that spring to our minds when we have to go through suffering and pain. And then I would like to give two biblical illustrations of people who have gone through immense suffering to only see the purpose of God after that. And then we need to see how it applies to our life. So, introduction, questions, illustration, and how do we apply this to our life? We all face overwhelming situations in our lives, and that threatened to steal away our hope. Be it sickness, conflict, finances, abuse, divorce, the loss of a loved one, unending family feuds. The list can go on and on. Yet, when the future looks dark and all seems lost, it's time to reflect what the Bible says about suffering. Be reminded that you are not alone in your situation. Even if you may experience being alone in your trials and sufferings, many are written in God's word about people who have faced difficult situations and circumstances just like us, despite what we may hear, see, or feel today. God's word bring us hope by assuring us that he is with us and faithful to carry us through tough times and to know that there is purpose in pain. Purpose in pain? Preacher, what are you trying to tell me? Do you know what I'm going through or have gone through in my life? Suffering manifests in so many ways. In one or another way, we are all suffering. I am sure that no one is excluded. The grocery cupboard might be adequately stocked. The tank may be filled with fuel, but perfectly hidden from the human eye. We all have our suffering. Much pain that we endure is not the ones that wrapped in bandages or a plaster stuck to it or something that the doctor can cure. 
or like the Afrikaans poet Eugene Marais put it, and I use a free translation in English, to English, a drop of bile in the sweetest wine, a tear on each mercy, on each merry stream, in every laugh, a sigh of pain, in every rose, a dull leaf pain. How can a God who loves me allow me to experience pain and suffering? It just doesn't add up when we read about the goodness of God in the Bible. When bad things happen, we have the why questions. Like a four-year-old on his father's lap. And I think you can all remember it. Why? Why? And it will continue. Each answer leads to another question. Yes, we want answers. Now let us look at a few of the many questions you might rightfully want to ask. I'm not promising to have a reply to all your questions, but I hope that from God's word we can throw light on some of them. What do we make of the words of the Apostle James when stating in our text verse, Count it joy when you suffer. Count it joy when you suffer. It appears the Apostle is telling us that trials and suffering we endure because of them are not without purpose. The next question that so many of us ask, when we declare God is love, is James then telling us suffering will be part of our life? Why not only experience God's goodness? You see, the goodness of God is often mistaken for being all about perfect happiness. However, God's essence is not happiness, but love. Happiness is about ideal circumstances. If circumstances were ideal for God, there would be no expression of love, no story of love, and no relationship of love. There might not have been a John 3 verse 16 in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Apostle Peter explains this further to us. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it and you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow his footsteps. God's love 
is unconditional. It does not need all types of conditions to exist. But we only see and believe that it's unconditional when we see displayed in all kinds of situations in our lives that we sometimes don't understand. Yes, sometimes when we are taken out of our comfort zone. Another why. If God is not causing suffering, why do I experience it in my life? Is that not a contradiction? I think one thing people miss is that God doesn't cause bad things to happen to you. James 1.13 says, When under trial, let no one say, I'm being tried by God. For with evil things, God cannot be tried. Nor does he himself try anyone. Now you may say, I am totally confused. Explain that to me. God indeed allow bad things to happen, but he doesn't cause it. From James 1 verse, 1 verse 13, it's pretty clear that God doesn't cause bad things to happen. If he allows it, it does not mean he is causing it. How difficult to comprehend this with my small human mind. To put it another way, that we all can understand it. There is always a bigger story behind the painful place in which we find ourselves. And while we may not focus on it or even be aware of a bigger plan amid our suffering, the hand of God is still there. God is always up to something bigger. You may then ask, should that not be true only of ungodly people? And perhaps in some instances, in the case of children of God, look at the misery of the world, past and present. But I still want to assure you, God did not create suffering. He is not the author or maker of suffering. He takes no joy when someone is hurting and in pain. Scripture is clear that he grieves over the very things that we grieve about. In the New Testament, we learn from the divine tears of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus cried at the grave of Lazarus after seeing the anguish of the ones who loved him. In Luke 19 verse 41, Jesus wept when he, saw, when he saw the sins of humanity of Jerusalem. 
Jesus wept. Like Jesus is weeping today about the condition of the world and South Africa and our lives. Hebrews 5 verses 7 and 8 confirms this to us. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. That's his father. And he was hurt because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. My dear brother and sister, friend, Jesus shed tears for you. Is your life still grieving the Holy Spirit today? Ephesians 4 verse 30 in the New Living Translation. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. By the way you live, remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved. On the day of redemption. Then a subsequent question. What about those. Inflicting so much suffering on us. And in the world. People and nations. Are suffering. At the hand of ungodly rulers. Corruption. Lawlessness. And they all, we, have this question on our lips. Like the martyrs in Revelation 6, 19, we also cry out. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Are we not asking that many times when we look at the wickedness of the world around us? Sometimes we don't understand. 2 Samuel 21, Samuel 21 verse 1 to 14 is a perfect example of a drought that was suffered in the days of King David. And when David seeked the face of the Lord about this drought... He was told that it was sin that was committed in the days of King Saul. You see, we should not mock God. No, wickedness will not go unpunished. The word of God is clear. And judgment is a sermon series on its own. But I want us to know how we must react to wickedness. Not to be bitter, but to resist it. Not to condone it, but leave it to God. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verse 19, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone. Evil for evil, 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let us find comfort in this when we look at pain and wickedness that's caused by others. Hebrew 29.27 is very clear that we will all stand before the judgment throne of God. Yes, and so will nations, so will institutions, so will families. We will stand before the judgment throne of God. Yes, God may rescue some people out of the nation, but the nations of the world, they who are boasting today, they who are responsible for terrible warfare, they must know there come a day when God will judge over them. Isaiah 66 verse 18, I know they have evil thoughts and do evil things, so I'm coming to punish them. I will gather all the nations and all people and they will come together to see my glory. Psalm 110 verse 5 to 6, the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush in the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead. He will crush the leaders far and wide. Revelation 18 verse 5, Babylon, the world system, for her sins are heaped up high as heaven. God is aware of it and God has remembered her iniquities. And then the Lord Jesus himself, Matthew 31, verse 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So why the suffering continue? And where did it come from in the first place? Suffering is not something God chose for humankind, but rather a choice that man chose for himself that has affected every aspect of humankind's life consequently. Adam and Eve chose to willfully disobey God's command not to eat of a tree of knowledge of good and evil. The consequences of their sin did not impact only them. It has affected everyone who came after them, even us 
listening to this message tonight. Part of the consequences of their sin was that there would be pain and suffering in the world. But why? Another why. Genesis 3 verse 16. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of a tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat and live all the days of your life. The son of Adam and Eve is not only a Sunday school lesson to have the attention of smaller children. It was sin. It was disobedience to the Almighty God. On that day, sin entered the world and so did suffering and pain. Yes, the Apostle Paul confirms it to us. Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world and through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Then another why. Why did God not only forgive them and restore them to paradise? Was their sin alone reason that brought the entire world under the curse of God as we know it today? Tsunamis, floods, pestilence, cancer, avaritis, blindness, deafness, and death. One sin. Ponder that. I'm sure God knew that without consequences for their sins, they would have continued for eternity in their sins if they have been allowed to continue in paradise. But our gracious God intended for them to return to a relationship with him through the pain of a consequence of their sin, it would cost the blood of the Son of God. Yes, the Son of God on the cross of Calvary to finally deal with sin. The pain and suffering that would come as a result of their sin, their decision of disobedience were actually to help all of us. God made them to realize, even them, Adam and Eve, to realize the great need of their dependence on him. Look what God did. Adam was not put to death immediately, as God promised, Genesis 2, 5 to 17. 
he was told the consequences of his sin. Are we telling people the consequences of their sin? Genesis 3.8-19 3.8-19 God promised to provide a cure for sin. The Eden or Edenic covenant. This is the first promise of Christ on the cross. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, Satan can bite us, but Jesus can heal us. Satan cannot kill us. Jesus can give us life eternal. It was the covenant to all generations that God fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. Then, Genesis 3, 21. Look how kind a God. And the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. The thick skins that they have tried that they have sewed together was not good enough. So today, our excuses, the way we try to deal with our lives, with our sin and nakedness, is not enough. It would take the blood to cover their nakedness, as it will take the blood of Jesus Christ to cover our nakedness. Yes, Romans 5 verse 15 confirms this. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Genesis 3, 22 to 24, God graciously removed Adam and Eve from the garden and prevented them from returning to it, to return to their sin. God sometimes put a barrier in our life to prevent us from going back to sin. However, like in the case of Adam and Eve, God gave them another chance. They did not die, but they and all generations after them are still carrying the consequences of sin, as you have probably already experienced from your life. You see, God forgives us, but sometimes we have to carry the consequences of our deeds and of our sins for an entire lifetime with us. But I need to ask you, are you covered with blood? There was a lamb that was slain for you. Are you clothed in the blood of Jesus? 
to illustrate the purpose of pain, I want to refer to two biblical figures. First, Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. Notice Joseph's response to his brothers after having experienced years of suffering and pain at the hands of the Egyptians. We read it as a quick story. It's not. Joseph probably spent 14 to 16 years in a dungeon that is not like the central prison in Pretoria. Genesis 59:20. And Joseph said unto them, that's now his brothers, Fear not, for I am in the place of God, but as far as you, you fought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph was able to have this type of response, even after horrendous tragedies he had faced, because he did not trust himself, but instead he trusted the one whom knew the bigger picture. At the time of Joseph's suffering as a slave in Egypt, he did not know why God allowed things to happen, to happen to him, and what God was ultimately doing. But he didn't have to. Joseph knew from history that God was trustworthy, and that even though he did not understand it, at that time, God had a purpose. It's once again confirmed to us in the New Testament. Hebrews 11 verse 22. By faith, Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. As a result of Joseph's faithfulness, his faith and perseverance in the face of all suffering, God was using him to save an entire civilization of that day from starvation. It was because of Joseph's trust in God no matter what and his refusal to become bitter that God, that he could look his abusive brothers in the face and make this striking statement and not blaming them. Yes, out of the pain and suffering of Joseph was born the nation of Israel, and out of Israel was born the Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we see it? Can we see the purpose of God behind suffering? The New Testament example, Paul. The Apostle Paul is the New Testament's illustration of pain with purpose. In the first reading, Gideon read about it. So I'm not going to repeat it all. By the grace of God, Paul refused 
to succumb to the suffering he has gone through for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't get a free pass. That true servant of God did not get a free pass from pain. As he fulfilled his mission of planting churches in becoming the leader of taking the gospel to the Gentiles, he seemed to endure an incredible amount of pain. Gideon has read it, but let us just summarize it. It tells us enormous lot of his pain and suffering. It includes multiple imprisonments, beatings, floggings, canings, life-threatening experience, stoning, shipwrecks, and a night and a day floating in the open sea. Yes, he was snake-bitten. He hadn't always had enough food, clothing, sleep, or even friends. Bandits and infuriated religious leaders had chased him. He battled temptation and anxiety over his young churches. That was his true concern. It was his young churches. Simply put, simply put, when the ship went down, Paul refused to go down with the ship. But then an interesting one. A man like Paul, who have suffered all this, he had to suffer another thing. On top of it all, he had a fawn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. But we all know it was a persistent bodily disorder or disease. Could have been his sight, we don't know. Others says it could have been epilepsy. He asked God three times to heal him from this. How many times are we praying God, please God, please God, please God, can you take away this thing from me? In Paul's case, he had to rest with a promise of God that my grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. He states it. Why? Because he was a very successful man in preaching the gospel to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surprisingly great revelations. There was given me a fawn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. The Afrikaans translation says to beat me with a fist. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Can you accept when the answer is no to the pain and suffering you are struggling with in your life? Can we accept that sometimes we just have to live with something or endure it for a lifetime? Can you rest like Paul 
in the grace of God. Can you find your peace there? But despite all of this suffering, Paul's work changed the world of his times. What is left today is the ruins of the Gentile temples where he preached this gospel. The, ep the epistles of Paul is today read by hundreds of millions. And he spoke to millions of people about the salvation in Christ. Through all the ages, yes, there was a purpose in pain in the life of Paul and in the life of Joseph. Now, how does it apply to our lives in this year, 2022? When James talked about trials of life, he describes them as a test. But not so God can see how strong you are. He already knows that. Pain in your life could be the opportunity for you to see how strong you are in God. Pain is many times the only way to discover how strong you are genuine. And in Christ, you are much stronger than what you may think. Have you made that discovery through your pain and suffering? Or are you still molded, waiting to discover that? We don't always know why we must first be enrolled in life to the university of suffering and pain. But like a good student, if we are willing to learn, Yes, then we will achieve success. The second application to our life. Pain expands our endurance. You may think you're at the end of hope. God has more in store for you. When you are tested through the fires of pain and suffering, perseverance, and endurance emerge on the other side of it. If you never ran more than a few kilometers, how can you run a marathon tomorrow? It is simply not the case. You have to build up endurance. Over time, your body builds up the endurance necessary to handle you, for you to handle the challenge of running a full marathon. There is no easy way to build up endurance. Have you endured something? There is purpose behind your pain. In the same way, pain expands your perseverance and allows you to persevere through even the most difficult circumstances. Because those circumstances might be waiting for the children of God, it might be much closer than what we think. The third one of fifth. 
pain matures you and can bring the best out of you. Few jewels are so precious as a perfect pearl. And we all know how the pearl came about. It's a small grain of sand entering the shell of an oyster, irritating that oyster forever. The oyster will release body flood that will gather around that grain of sand. And once when that oyster is fished and you open it, you see the beautiful pearl that was formed through the suffering and the pain of the oyster. Yes, all because the oyster has gone through great suffering. Maybe, maybe, it's no coincidence that the 12 gates we read about in Revelation 21 are made of pearls. The suffering of our Savior allows the gate to be there in the first place. And more than likely, all who enter those priceless gates will have their own personal cost of great suffering. Paul said to Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. To Timothy, verse 11 to 12, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. Verse 12, indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Pain, pain and suffering can teach you what pleasure could never do. Have you discovered that gratefulness in life is not about happiness? No, it's the inverse. It's the opposite. Happiness is the result of gratefulness. Are you grateful in your suffering and pain? Are you grateful for what Jesus did on the cross? Number four, pain is the price for a bigger reward. When the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that struggled to find purpose behind their pain, he wrote timeless words that still ring true today. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 17 in the NIV. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal joy that far outweighs 
them all. You see to a sports team the pain of practices, injuries and the grind of a season is all worth it when they hold up the trophy. God sees our pain and his crown of life is waiting in store for us who believe in him. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Oh, what a day that will be. Can you see it through your suffering? Can you see it through your tears? Here's your spectacle of tears. May we all be able to shout this victory at the end of our pain and suffering. And then one last application. The voice of God is not coming through in your life and in my life. God speaks to us in many ways. He wants all of us to come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. What will it take for you to hear him? Or is there a situation in your life and perhaps in your family you're not handling according to God's will the way he wants you to address it according to his word. You are pampering a problem that should have been addressed long ago but you keep punish, pushing it out or trusting that fate will fix it. You endure it and hope for the best while not doing God's will. No, it will not go away. How long will you postpone? Trying to pretend it will. No, it won't go away. In your life you have to deal with sin. If there are things in your life and in my life, we have to deal with it when the word comes to us. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the exhortation that address you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord discipline the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Proverbs 11 to 12, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father of a son in whom he delights. Most of us tend to become bitter instead of turning to God in times of trials, temptation, and trouble in our lives. Look at Isaiah 38, verse 15 to 7. Isaiah says, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love. You have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. 
For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Will you heed the call of God? Will you take action today? Or will your inaction prolong your pain and suffering further? God loves you. And also you sometimes have to make harsh decisions that may not be pleasant at that moment. Turn to God. Do what he wants you to do. That may be all you need to deal with your suffering and for a specific pain to go away. I'm closing I want to repeat, dear friends, God doesn't put you through pain without a purpose. Whether you are going through something small or something big, pain is an ever-present constant in the life of humankind. But you never have to struggle with finding a purpose behind your pain. Take comfort and solace in the timeless words of James and discover the purpose behind your pain. From our text verse, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God has a purpose for your pain, a reason for your struggles, and a reward for your faithfulness. Don't give up, but also listen. Hear his voice. Surrender to him today. Is he perhaps calling you through his pain? How long before you see it? May the Lord bless his word. Can we close our eyes for the closing prayer? After that, the team will lead us with a closing hymn. And then I will say a benediction. Let us pray. O Lord, remember your great mercy and have compassion on us. O Lord, do not withdraw your spirit from us, but grant us strong faith, patience and steadfastness in suffering and in pain. Strengthen those who are weak and burdened with sorrow. Grant us your peace through Jesus Christ, who gave us the sure promise. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Amen.